All right, folks, welcome to Justify Your Existence, the Daily Journal's podcast about Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and beyond. Before we get started here, make sure you follow Justify Your Existence on your favorite podcast platforms or at djournal.com slash podcast. Go ahead and join our Facebook groups, Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford and Michael Katz, or the Mississippi State Discussion with Parrish Alford and Stefan Kreischnick. And make sure to follow D Journal Sports on Twitter for all the best coverage on sports in Mississippi. Mississippi State and Ole Miss is what we're going to talk about today. Um, before we do that, uh, Michael, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining. I'm good. How are you? I, I I don't know who how many people are watching this, but you are in quite the swanky room. Yeah, I found a, a soundproof room um, on my excursion to to Nashville. I found this soundproof room, and uh, it's a little dark. The lighting's weird to those that can't. Like I'm like fading like in and out of the light, but I'm sure. I mean, do I sound good? The sound is perfect. It is impeccable. <laughs> That's all that matters. I'm sure uh, John Luke will love this for the for the audio version of how how this all works out. Um, so let's talk a little football here. SEC football, kind of a boring slate of games. Only let's see here. There's only five SEC games. Only four that are like conference games. Um, Arkansas plays host to Arkansas Pine Bluff sure uh lsu at ole miss we'll talk about later mississippi state travels to vandy um let's talk alabama up in the up up in the rankings uh looking to be in a, a playoff contender now i believe number four is where they are behind oklahoma cincinnati and georgia uh, in the reverse order there um you know th- they play tennessee this week you saw tennessee i think tennessee's a lot better than we both thought they were uh, than most people thought they were going to be at the start of the year i don't think they're good enough to beat alabama but is it close? No, I I, I, I think Tennessee is going to get smoked. Uh, I think Alabama, like, I, I thought that one hiccup of the year was almost losing to Florida, and right. then they actually lost the AM. and it's just hard to see them, like, taking their foot off the gas. Like we talked about in the last episode, like, they stepped on the throat, like, uh, against Mississippi State. Like, they went for the kill, and that's what the really good – Alabama teams have done and it kind of seems like they're back to to doing that Tennessee again very much improved I think I think losing to Ole Miss last week was really emotional and you kind of think that maybe there's that that hangover are they kind of spent after that even you know even losing that game you know how, how much do they have left in the tank after uh, a game like that it, it, it's it's tough for me to see Alabama losing focus enough and and it's nothing against Tennessee I think they're they're really solid and Josh Heupel's done a better job than I think you know I I, I know I expected um but of course I have been wrong before I said at Texas A&M had no chance but this one does not feel like Tennessee plays the brand of football that is going to necessarily produce results against Alabama Right, right. I think we've said it so many times this year when a team faces Alabama or Georgia that, you know, a blowout loss might not be indicative of that team. It might be indicative of Alabama and Georgia. I agree. I don't think this one's going to be close. Um, You know, Alabama coming off losses. We talked a lot about that, um, you know, heading into that Mississippi State game. Alabama coming off a loss in his first home game since that loss also kind of seems like it's a big deal like that. Nick Saban doesn't let a loss like like we say, like Alabama coming off a loss like they play well that next game. Alabama usually coming off a loss wins out the rest of the way. Like they don't lose two games in a season. You don't want to be, um, you don't want to be the next team after a loss. You don't really want to be any team ever playing Alabama after they've already lost the game that season because history shows that they usually don't lose a second one. And I don't think you want to be on the wrong side of that. Um, I, I, yeah, like you said, I don't think it's going to be close. 
Um, you know, I'll admit that I was wrong about Tennessee. I'll admit that I was wrong about Auburn. We talked about that too. Um, but man, Alabama, I think, I think people have kind of simmered since the, the Texas A&M loss. And um, I, I think everyone's kind of starting to get to that point where, where we're like, you know what, like Alabama, Georgia is probably going to be a really good game. I think people probably think Georgia is a better team right now, but that probably means that Alabama is going to win by 30. Right. Like that's how, that's how that typically goes. That's how it works. Right. So that, that should be, that it's playing out to be, to be kind of fun. I know everyone loses for Alabama and Georgia or everyone roots for Alabama and Georgia to lose. Um, You know, it'd be kind of fun if they won out and we finally got to see that game maybe twice this year. So uh, keep an eye on that Bama uh, Tennessee game. That's here 7 PM Eastern 6 PM central game on uh, ESPN. Um, also a night game, South Carolina travels to Texas A&M. Is, is Texas A&M back? Texas isn't back, but is Texas A&M back um, after a, a, a interesting slow start? Because they beat Alabama, went on the road and blew out Missouri. Home against South Carolina, I'm assuming you, you're picking them to win there as well. Um, it, it's kind of setting up for uh, Texas A&M to make a little bit of a late season run and maybe make a push for New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, it's it, it, it's I think things are kind of starting to come together for them. Um, there were such high expectations and, you know, losing the starting quarterback who was already replacing a four year starter was a kind of a tough way to start things off. But but Calzada's kind of gotten it together. That offense seems to kind of know what it is at this point. That defense is really good. Uh, South Carolina, you know, they're going they, they're. I don't want to say stuck with, but, you know, they have the grad assistant quarterback for the, the rest of the year from what it sounds like. It sounds like their starter is done. Um, you know, they they played an exciting sicko game uh, against Vanderbilt last week, but um, it, I, it, it's going to be an uphill climb for them the rest of the year, especially with their quarterback situation. And uh, A&M is, is finally looking like the team we all expected. I, I, I don't think that one's going to be close either. Yeah. I'd have to, I have to agree with you there. Um, I, I do think with, with that defense, you, you had to figure that Texas A&M was going to figure something out. Like the offense doesn't need to be great, but it needs to be good enough to, to make up, um, you know, for, for what the defense is going to provide and the defense. I mean, that defense is really good and they'll have a chance. I think they'll, they'll make a push um, without completely knowing their schedule moving forward, but they, they should uh, be a team that, that contends for, for new year six and, and is up there. Um, certainly will be bowl eligible team. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the teams that we cover now. Um, why don't we start with uh, with Ole Miss? And they welcome LSU, which is, you know, we've talked about the LSU situation earlier this week uh, on our podcast. Like, like I said before, make sure you follow our podcast on your podcast. Favorite podcast platforms at djournal.com slash podcast um, on Justify Your Existence. We, earlier this week, we talked about the LSU at Orgeron situation. It's really weird. It's really confusing how they're going to make it work. And it seems like they play better when they know their coach is going to get fired. Um, do, do you see all, I, I think, I think it's going to be a close, close game. I do. Um, but man, with, with all the injuries that LSU has, um, can it slow down the Ole Miss offense? Um, can Ole Miss defense do anything? You know, it was fine against Tennessee. Um, well, how, how do you see this game playing out? I'll let you go before I make any predictions. Yeah, I, uh, I think, I have learned that Ole Miss doesn't play normal games. Like every game is something bizarre. Right. Uh, and, and this has that same kind of potential. Just, yeah, LSU's beat up and yeah, they've got a lame duck coach, but they just beat Florida. Like, and you know, they can't run the ball and they're running back just ran for 287 yards. Like 
when you have that much, the sort of talent that they have, they can make things happen when they really shouldn't. Max Johnson's done a really nice job at quarterback. He's got 20 touchdown passes already. Um, yeah, they're, they're missing Boutte and, you know, a, a lot of other guys. They're secondary. Both starting corners are done. Um, but that being said, like, you know, history has not been good to Ole Miss uh, in LSU matchups. And there's still a lot of talent. There's still something that tells me that they're going to play hard for Ed Orgeron. Again, I know a lot of stuff has come out about the locker room and all that stuff. But, um, you know, I've seen Ed Orgeron win as the interim guy at USC. Like he tends to have people gravitate toward him when the chips are down. And I wouldn't be surprised that they have a couple more surprises in them this year. Um, I, I do think Ole Miss, assuming that Matt Corral is able to play, and I, I still do think that he is going to play, uh, you know, assuming that that he's there, um, I don't think LSU is going to be able to do anything to stop Ole Miss um, on defense. But um, and the other part of that, though, is, you know, uh, can LS, can Ole Miss stop LSU? I mean, they took some steps forward, I, I think, on uh, during the Tennessee game, just in terms of uh, you're not, not giving up the huge chunk plays quite as frequently and, and, and making the tackles that count. But um, I, I, I do feel like it, it, it could be a weird one. I think it's going to be close, but just with it, you know, being Eli Manning's retirement and it, it, it being a, a it sounds like it's going to be a sellout. Um, it, it's, it's, I, I think it's going to be a good game, but I, I think Ole Miss ends up winning it. Right. No, I agree. I think it's it's either going to be a, a close win for Ole Miss or Ole Miss blows them out. I can't really see any other um, solution to that game. I mean, I, I've said before, I, I'm high on Ole Miss. I think they're a really good team. That offense is really explosive and hard to stop. If Matt Corral is okay, um, which presumably he will be, maybe he won't be, who knows. Um, if Matt Corral doesn't play, I'm very intrigued to see what Ole Miss looks like without Matt Corral because it kind of feels like a team where – um, and, and Brian Haydad and, um, and Rob, Robbie Falk do a Thunder Lightning podcast as well, talking to Mississippi State, and they kind of said that it feels like this Ole Miss team is kind of like those Dak Prescott, Mississippi State teams, where it's like if, if Dak went down, you'd be in a really bad spot, and if, if Matt Corral goes down, it'd be a tough spot for Ole Miss, but that's you know what happens when your quarterback is a Heisman favorite or among the top two at this point of the season. So that, that's just the reality of the situation. That's, that's how it goes. Um, should be a fun game to watch. So you, it, I think you mentioned it there uh, with the Manning retirement ceremony and, and all that going on. I know you, you guys are waiting to see if you're going to get the chance to talk to him in some kind of press conference setting. But, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about Eli's legacy. I know, you know, his, his legacy with the Giants speaks for itself. He's already in their ring of honor. If I'm not, I think earlier this season, they put him in the ring of honor and um, him and Peyton do that, you know, Monday night football broadcast um, that, you know, has, has done great numbers and people love, you know, kind of hearing their perspectives. And, and he's a funny guy. He's kind of got like a dry sense of humor. Um, people, people have been high on Eli recently. And now this, this uh, retirement ceremony for him at, at Ole Miss is coming up. It's, it's been a good stretch for Eli. Um, obviously one of the greatest to ever play at, at Ole Miss. What, what, what do you think this weekend means for a lot of people over in Oxford? It, it's kind of crazy because I, I believe this is only the third Jersey that's going to be retired uh, at Ole Miss. It's Archie Manning. Chucky Mullins and and now Eli and so and Arch and Arch Manning right? Well, that the, the so they're, they're painting their end zones 
this weekend to say Manning, and, and the joke is that's not even for Eli, it's for Arch. Um, but yeah, Arch will be there from from what it sounds like. But uh, you know, e- Eli, Eli means a lot to this program. The Manning family <laughs> means a lot to this program. Manning is everywhere uh, at Ole Miss. There's the Manning Center. There's Manning Way. There's everywhere you look, there's reminders of, of what that family means. And, you know, Eli, Eli's numbers, I mean, are even for, you know, early two thousands, uh, they, they were, they were, they were really impressive. Um, you know, when things weren't as wide open as, as maybe they are now, he put up some pretty stellar numbers. He won a lot of games and he kind of put that program back on the map a little bit. And, um he's he's beloved and, and just everything he did with the Giants was just so good for Ole Miss and um you know he, he's one of those guys that I, I think they're always going to hold really really dearly and um just to to have that number 10 retired I I think that ceremony at halftime is going to be really cool um again I it's hard for me to imagine they're not being you know a button every seat for for this sort of thing not just for the game itself, but just for to see the first family of, of football, you know, there and um, all the stuff they're doing. And I, I think it's going to be really cool. Um, you know, Ole Miss doesn't, doesn't retire numbers. Um, this, it, it's a really big deal. And, and I don't think anybody can say Eli Manning doesn't deserve it. He's, he's, he's been a great ambassador for everything Ole Miss is. Uh, he's been a great ambassador for Ole Miss uh, over the years. Right. No, I think, um, like you said, they don't reti- retire numbers uh, frequently. Well, this is a, a fitting case. Um, you know, I know growing up a football fan, um, Eli's, you know, kind of run with the Giants was really when my football fandom kind of started maybe a couple of years before that. But, you know, it's the, the plays he made in Super Bowls against the Patriots will always be remembered in NFL history. Um, his, plays with, his plays with Ole Miss um, will always be remembered in the SEC. Uh, just a great quarterback. I mean, there's you know, his, his accolades, you know, kind of speak for themselves. It's almost like, I mean, I guess they were waiting for him to retire because it feels like maybe his number should have been retired uh, a while ago. It should have been like 2004. Right. Right. It's, it's been, it's been a while since they should have done this. Um, but it, it's setting up to be a, a pretty special uh, moment there in, in Oxford. I'm sure that'll be uh, cool for you to watch. Um, we'll shift over to Mississippi state. They're actually doing a, a bit of a ceremony of their own. Uh, the baseball team will be getting their championship Oh, I'm sorry. They're on the road this week. I'm, I'm already looking ahead. I'm thinking about ceremonies and all this. Well, next week, Halloween weekend, uh, the baseball team will get its rings um, at home. They're not having the baseball team travel to Vandy to get them, which, though, would be pretty badass if they had the baseball team go to Vanderbilt to receive their championship rings. That'd be a big alpha move for sure. Yeah, it would be a very alpha move. Um, no, so I'm already looking ahead. Um, maybe that speaks to what I think Mississippi State is going to do this weekend against Vanderbilt. Um, Mississippi State coming off that 40-point loss to Alabama, played about as poorly as you can on offense and defense. Uh, a lot of that has to do with Alabama. A lot of that has to do with Mississippi State. Um, heading to Vanderbilt this weekend, you know, I, I think Mississippi State will handle business pretty easily. I had them winning by a couple scores. Um, I think it's going to be an ugly and just sloppy game on both sides. Like, um, you know, we, we've seen Mississippi State at times this year kind of play down to their opponent. They did it against Louisiana Tech. They did it against Memphis. They did it against um, you know, LSU, I mean, LSU is a good team, but it kind of felt like Mississippi State, you know, should have, if Mississippi State had played their game and not made as many mistakes, they should have won that game. Um, so we've seen Mississippi State do this, and I think we'll see kind of a similarity to that in the sense of, like, Mississippi State will not come out and take this, like, 50 nothing lead that it probably should on Vanderbilt, 
Um, but but it'll be a sloppy game where Mississippi State probably controls the lead most of the game, but like you know never really leads, but like is up by like ten. But you, you're like, they should be up like 20. Like, it's going to be one of those games. And and anyone who watched college football knows, like, exactly what type of game I'm talking about. Like, we've seen this game a million times from a million different teams. Um, that's what I see happening. The, the status of Will Rogers, it seems like – it sounds like he's going to play – it kind of sounds like similar to Matt Corral, where he's, like, he's a little banged up, but, you know, it's like um, – it's it's a game you probably want him. That, that's the thing about Mississippi State right now is that um, talent-wise and, – and and you mentioned, you mentioned LSU beating Florida – and I think that's just a testament to like, yeah, LSU has all this going on, but like at, at the end of the day, like LSU has a lot of talent, like their recruiting is really good. Like their talent is good to where it doesn't matter what else is going on. Sometimes they can just show up, play pretty well and win a game against a really good team. Mississippi state doesn't have the talent necessarily, the pure talent to do that. And that's the type of games where it's like, you know, you're traveling to Vanderbilt. You probably need Will Rogers to play in that game. If you want to win comfortably, um, you know, chance Lovertage, if you were to come in, I think it's good enough to beat Vanderbilt. Um, but but I, I think it would be a close game. Vanderbilt showed a little fight against South Carolina, and um, it's going to be interesting to see if 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 they can carry any of that momentum, um, you know, in, into this week against Mississippi State. And I, I believe the number is four. So out of the last two seasons, um, Vanderbilt has played twelve SEC games, and four of them have been games where they've lost by one score or, or fewer, so like eight points or less. I thought that was a surprising number. I thought that was a surprising number. Vanderbilt plays – Vanderbilt – now, those other eight games, those are not 14-point losses. Those are 30- and 40-point losses. But, like, four out of 12 – you know, 25% of their games are pretty close. They're not winning them, but they're playing close, I think, closer than people think. This is a very, like, Vanderbilt explanation to all things. Um, but playing at home, coming off that game against South Carolina – not so fast, Mississippi State, as Lee Corso would say. I think it's going to be a little closer than people expect. Are they without Ken Seals? I know he's kind of been up in the air. Yeah, his his availability was questionable going into that South Carolina game, and it's still a little back and forth. I don't think they've announced the starter yet. On the depth chart, it's listed as, listed as Mike Wright or Ken Seals. Um, it, it kind of sounds like a week-to-week type thing, so we don't know yet. Um, the difference that that I think, I think South Carolina got screwed over a little bit because I think they were preparing for Ken Seals. And got Mike right. Now I think Mississippi State can kind of prepare for both of them. So neither of them will throw them off too much. Um, so, but I do think if if Ken Seals plays, I definitely think it's a close game. If Mike Wright plays, I think it could be still a close game. Uh, you know, we talk about this with we talked about this so many times with Alabama, like Alabama winning a game by twenty and us being like, you know what, like the opponent played them close. You know, like maybe pulled away a little in the fourth quarter. I think this can be the same thing. I think I said twenty-seven to ten would be the final. You know, that's a 17-point loss, but I think it, it it plays out maybe a little closer than, than that. Maybe like a garbage time touchdown at the end for, for Mississippi State or something like that. Um, but but it but for Mississippi State's sake, this needs to be a game where you probably win by 20 and 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 look comfortable. Like you got to bounce back from that Alabama loss in the same way that Alabama bounced back from losses. Like you you get Vanderbilt after Alabama is about as much as you can ask for when it comes to SEC West scheduling, like that's, that's what you want. Um, unless you're playing Georgia, um, maybe then you want Vandy after that, but like, that's, that's about as much as you can ask for it. It needs to be a week where the coaching staff and their decisions, the offense and Will Rogers decision-making and the receivers route running, and then defensively just tackling and being in the right spots. Like all so much needs to be cleaned up this week for Mississippi state um, playing against Vanderbilt kind of plays out in their favor. 
Yeah, it's like like you said. It sounds weird to say that like Vanderbilt losing twenty seven to ten would be a win, but I, I, I it does kind of feel that way. Like right. that's kind of the the path that this program has to be on right now. I, I'm curious what, what what's kind of the vibe around Leach and Mississippi State right now after that loss. Was it just kind of like, well, it happens. It's Alabama, or 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 are they kind of disturbed with with with, with how it happened? Yeah. So. Uh- I'll focus more on the offensive side. Just that's what Leach kind of, you know, what, what side he works with um, defensively. I, I think some of the concerns around tackling, but um, you know, Mississippi state threw so many blitzes at, at Bryce young. And, and I think the approach with Zach Arnett was kind of like Bryce young was going to beat us anyways. And Alabama's defense was going to beat us anyways, or offense was going to beat us anyways. The only chance Mississippi state had was blitz them and hopefully bring them down. That didn't work. And it made the defense look really bad because you know, you're, you're, potential All-American, All-SEC corners are now being left on an island against first-round NFL, you know, receivers and John Mechie and, and Jameson Williams and and everyone that Alabama has. You know, Brian Robinson, you know, on, on screen passes coming out of that. Um, so I, so in terms of the defense, I think everyone knows that Mississippi State's approach against Alabama is not going to be what they bring every, every week. You know, it has to be different when you're facing Alabama. So I think defensively there's not much of a concern. Offensively, I think it is because a lot of the flaws – that we've seen from the air raid offense and we've seen from Mississippi state's offense, like got shown to like the max against Alabama. Like everyone knew Mississippi state had issues with the offensive line, particularly a right tackle. Well, Will Anderson had four sacks coming off the right tackle. Everyone knew that Will Rogers, um, you know, struggles to make explosive plays. They were not making explosive plays. They were getting the chunk yardage that they always do, but they're not getting those explosive plays to get scores. Um, you know, everyone knows with, with young receivers and new receivers, getting adjusted to the air raid offense and running all these like different routes and different schemes can be kind of difficult against Alabama. Their receivers started making up routes and, and doing things on, you know, just randomly inventing new routes as, as Leach said, post game. So all those things that were kind of small flaws throughout the season, you know, stuff where you were like, Hmm, you know, they, they, they beat NC state, but you know, they could have cleaned this up. They beat um, Louisiana tech, but they could have cleaned this up. Like all these like little things that, that, you know, struggled and wins were proven to the max against Alabama. And that's the kind of stuff where if, if it, it's going to be hard for Mississippi state fans, I think to walk out of this Vandy game feeling confident because Mississippi state fans by now know what the flaws are. They know like, you know, beating Vanderbilt because you bring two guys to the right side is what you're going to do probably. And, and even if you don't, you know, if you have Scott Lashley, a right tackle by himself, he'll be okay against Vanderbilt. But if he gives up, you know, one or two sacks, then you're like, well, now you see why that turns into three or four, five or six or seven against Alabama. So that's why it's there's there's specific areas that Mississippi State really needs to improve on. I think people will have their eyes on that. And I think people know that, um, you know, if the right tackle still struggles and Mississippi State wins by 17, you know, it doesn't feel like a win necessarily because you, you still got those struggles. You still got the struggles at, at wide receiver quarterback um, that, that showed to, against Alabama. So that's, I think, where where the the test I think will be for Mississippi state assuring up the stuff that people by now know um, that they, that they're you know pretty bad at sometimes. Um, so that, that, that's kind of the test. Um, but overall, I think it should be uh, an intriguing game on both sides. I mean, I'm intrigued to see how Vanderbilt kind of comes off that South Carolina game. Um, should be a lot of fun for you in Oxford uh, covering that game. Um, not a great SEC slate, schedule slate, but that's kind of the, the, you know, how the bye weeks work themselves out sometimes. Um, but I'm sure there'll be some wacky, crazy things going on nonetheless, if not in the SEC and in college football as a whole. Well, yeah, USC is going to beat Notre Dame, of course. 
They won't. No, it's well, not even gonna be close. Well, that's not even gonna be the biggest upset in the state of Indiana because the Hoosiers welcome Ohio State this weekend. So true, true. Not not enough people are talking about that one. No, yeah, people are starting to give up on Indiana, which is right where we want them. That's where Indiana thrives. Is when we're when Indiana's the Aflac question of the week. You know, who's the last team to spend forty years losing to ranked teams? Answer is always Indiana. But it ends. It ends this week with Ohio State coming down. I don't even know what Ohio State's win streak against Indiana. I don't really want to know what it is. Yeah, you probably um, don't want. To I know last year's game was really fun. The Fry Fogel Penix connection. I think Indiana lost like 42-35. It was a really fun game. Yeah. Good time for everyone. Everyone was so happy. Well, minus the pandemic, everyone was really happy. Other than that, it was awesome. Other, yeah, <laughs> other, than, other than the global pandemic, everything was great. Um, but <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see how that game plays out. Should be, should be a fun college football Saturday, as it always is. Um, and, man, it's been fun last couple of weeks. College football Saturdays have been really good, and they've rolled over to some really good NFL Sundays, haven't they? It's the best time of the year, man. We got well. Sorry about your White Sox, but we got baseball playoffs. Right. Uh, we got we got football, NBA starting back up. This is this is one of the best times of the year for a sports fan. Right. And this this is, is probably tough. this is probably the best time. Maybe like April when you got March Madness overlapping with baseball starting. You got NBA and NHL playoffs starting. That's also a really good time. But like, take it all in. Take it all in. Enjoy. Enjoy all the sports. Um, to all the people like in relationships where, you know, one spouse likes sports and the other one doesn't give your spouse a couple weeks off, let them enjoy the sports. This is the best time of the year. And then, you know, maybe when like the world series ends, you can kind of get into like caring about your significant other again and, and taking care of all that. But right now care about your teams, watch some football, man, watch some basketball, the bulls start tonight. Um, I'm, I'm like cautiously excited about the bulls. Are you a Lakers fan? Is that, is that who you root for? Yeah, last night wasn't great. That was that was the Russell Westbrook I I expected. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how that team pans out. Should be, um, I mean, they'll be a fun team to watch when things are clicking. But like, I dude, maybe Russ as a backup would be a better fit. Like, you gonna a, tell him that he's going to the bench? Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely. He's a, he's a crazy person. But I think the idea of, of Rondo starting and and having Russ and Melo off the bench and letting Russ like push the tempo and do his thing, like. I mean, shoot, if you put Russ with Melo and, and whoever else you put on the court with them, that's a decent starting lineup on most teams, you know? Like, I mean, the Thunder maybe a couple of years. I mean, the, the Rockets maybe after they got rid of Harden and it was literally like John Wall running everything by himself. Like, that's an NBA starting lineup, technically. Technically. So, like, maybe maybe I should go in and coach the Lakers. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I, 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 I would be in favor of that at this point. <laughs> Well, we'll see how all that pans out. Like, like, like we said, man, it's, it's, it's a fun time to be a sports fan. Uh, before we sign off here again, make sure to follow Justify Your Existence on your favorite podcast platform or at djournal.com slash podcast. Join our Facebook groups, Old Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford and Michael Katz and uh, the Mississippi State Discussion with Parrish Alford and Stephen Kreisnick. And make sure to follow D Journal Sports on Twitter from Michael and myself. Appreciate you joining.